Hey there, Full Disc listeners. We've got something special for you today. In the current global pandemic world we're living in, we at Full Disc started feeling the huge void being left by the extreme lack of aviating going on. Our good friends at Mudspike Aviation felt the same. We both agreed that something needed to be done. Since we couldn't get out and watch our friends fly, we figured what better way to keep in touch than inviting them into our virtual flight line and having a simple conversation about all things aviation. For seven straight hours, we had live conversations with military pilots, airshow pilots, warbird owners and operators, social media personalities, and photographers. The audio was recorded live, and while there were definitely some technical issues that popped up, we feel that the quality of the conversation greatly outweighs the quality of the audio. Without further ado, Full Disc Aviation and Mudspike Aviation present the following for your listening pleasure. Full Disc Aviation and Mudspike Aviation presents an aviation conversation. As I've started each interview today, I hope you're all staying safe and healthy, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, We hope this brightens your day, if only for a bit. These are difficult times for many of us, and to be able to give back in this way to the community that has brought us so much joy over the years is something we're happy about and grateful to be a part of. Uh, My buddy Chris Loaf and I are here with a very special guest. You all have probably seen him in a number of videos on the F-22 demo team social media pages that are blowing up. I am pleased and honored to welcome Major Joshua Cabo Gunderson, sir, thank you for your service and thank you for joining us. How are you doing today, man? Well, thanks so much for having me. First off, I uh, really appreciate the opportunity and, and kind of like we were chatting about a little earlier ago, uh, you know, it's a really unique opportunity to talk to people and have a little more of an interactive, uh, I guess, forum to talk to people, answer questions. Uh, so I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, overall, doing really well. It's kind of a rainy day here in Virginia. So uh, even if we we're doing air shows, obviously we couldn't be flying, but uh, able, to, able to make the best of it uh, in this forum. Sure, man. Um, I'd like to draw some attention to the excellent interview you did with uh, Second Lieutenant Sam in February, for those of you who haven't seen it. So, uh, Cowboy, I will try to avoid making you rehash all the same information again. Um, but I encourage you guys all to check it out on the F-22 Demo Team YouTube and their other channels if you haven't. Uh, I wanted to first just ask how you and your team are doing during this pan- pandemic. Is everyone doing okay? Yeah, everybody's doing really well, actually. We're trying to find, like I said, ways to still engage the community uh, and do our, our demo team job in terms of getting out, uh, recruiting, retaining, all those things. Uh, in terms of what the team's doing right now, like I said, everybody health- health-wise is doing really well. and. Uh, we're basically going back to support normal operations within the squadrons uh, at Langley Air Force Base. So I've gone back to just basically teaching um, and evaluating uh, within the squadron. So other pilots that are in the squadron, helping them progress. And then our maintainers are doing phenomenal work on the flight line, just continuing to produce uh, combat power and uh, working uh, hand in hand with the guys that are in the squadron, uh, fixing jets and um, preparing jets so we can continue our training mission and then be ready to go whenever we need to. Um, in terms of uh, our public affairs officer, he's going back to the wing and he's working with uh, the wing uh, folks to kind of help, you know, get through this stage uh, and kind of help uh, the base stay informed, the local area stay informed in terms of what the base is doing for COVID responses. Uh, and then obviously adhering to the guidelines that uh, that the Department of Defense as a whole are putting out there. So it's a lot of it's a pretty big task to try to keep everybody informed, as you can imagine. Um, so and then uh, our AFE, so Air Crew Flight Equipment folks. They're uh, back in the squadrons as well, making sure all the pilots, their gear is good to go. So 
uh, basically the demo team right now is just uh, going back to what they previously were doing to help uh, the wing produce uh, produce sorties and keep training. Awesome, man. I guess it's been slightly more challenging adding all those tasks to maintain readiness during this time. Yeah, you know, there's some protective measures that we're we're using. Uh, you know, we're making sure that we have different teams so there's no cross contamination. If let's say somebody were to get infected, uh, or even suspect they were infected, you know, infected with the uh, the virus. So a lot of mitigation measures in place to make sure that we stay ready to go. You know, our, our primary job demo is obviously awesome, but unlike a, a team like the Thunderbirds, the Blue Angels, uh, our our demo team, uh, you know, represents the Combat Air Force, the CAF, and uh, in that regard, our primary job is to be able to fly F-22s anywhere in the world at a moment's notice and be able to do whatever the country needs to do. Um, so refocusing right now in terms of our efforts to focus on that right now. And uh, demos kind of taking a backseat right now. We're still flying once a week in terms of demos. And uh, the Air Force Heritage Flight Foundation has been incredibly supportive. Uh, we have two folks that are flying uh, down from Philadelphia and the D.C. area to help our practices. So we're doing full demos and we're doing uh, heritage flight practices uh, as well. Um, and that's been able to keep us you know, proficient. So whenever this uh, kind of moves forward and we get to start doing air shows again, we're ready to go at a moment's notice. Cool, man. I, I wish you guys continued health and safety during this time. Um, I know it's going to be tough, but, you know, hopefully we'll come out of this and get some shows this year but looking back on happier times you did fly one demo before all these shows got canceled right in singapore yeah we did and kind of just to quickly piggyback on what you said yeah i definitely wish you you and your uh your family the best as well as everybody who's listening right now uh wish you guys continued you know uh health and happiness as we get through this obviously it's a it's a whole uh nation worth of effort and the global you know uh effort as well to help mitigate this and hopefully get back on track uh, going back to your question of you know our show this show season this year, the first season we or the first show we did this year was in Singapore, which is a really cool experience. And to kind of look back on it, it's a little bit interesting because um, they had already reported the you know the um, coronavirus outbreak in China at that point in time, and Singapore already had a couple cases. So we were kind of going back and forth and trying to figure out, hey, is it the is it the right decision for the team to fly out there? And it was kind of funny. I, I landed uh, in Singapore. I check my work phone for some emails and see what had been happening. And the first email I opened up when I landed in Singapore is like, "Hey, when do you guys leave for Singapore? We may not take, may not send you guys there." <laughs> just as I, yeah, just as I had gotten to Singapore, so it's kind of funny. Um, and uh, anyways, uh, you know, the the Royal Singapore Air Force did a phenomenal job in terms of uh, helping out with that. So you had the folks running the air show. You had the Royal Singapore Air Force, and that's kind of where our jets were stationed, are based out of. Um, it was the Changi East Airport, uh, which is owned by Singapore. And uh, we were able to stage out of there. They had a lot of good protective measures, a lot of screening, uh, temperature checks, all those things to keep us safe, keep the team safe. Uh, and we, you know, we worked really well with them. And it was, a, it was an overall really cool experience. Obviously not the experience we were hoping for in terms of crowd you know, interaction. We had about half the crowd, uh, the anticipated crowd show up. We're hoping for more people. And obviously what we really enjoy doing at air shows um, aside from the flying, which, I mean, the flying is probably about 20% of what we do, uh, is getting out of the community, talking to folks, and especially at those international shows, is really reach out to um, our international partners. You know, Singapore has been a huge supporter of the United States, and we've been a huge supporter of Singapore for a long time now. I mean, they fly a lot of airplanes that we fly in the United States Air Force. Uh, they send all their pilots to America to train on those aircraft. Uh, so it's a really big, you know, partnership that's, 
that kind of is at the the I guess the you know base of that whole thing. And that's one of the big reasons why, why we were there supporting Singapore. So uh, in terms of the efforts, it was really cool. Uh, not as much interaction as we'd like, but we still got some good interactions with uh, some local folks there. And uh, the flying was epic. You know, we flew a bunch. We flew like I think eight eight or nine demos. Oh, cool. We're out there. It was a, you know, super humid place. Um, so the vapes were insane on the jet. You know, it's pretty cool when you're flying the jet and you, you're doing the maneuvers and you're pulling G's and the vapors are so thick that you can actually see it out of your periphery. You're like, holy cow, the jet is covering clouds right now. I'm just making clouds. Um, awesome. so it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool view for sure. Uh, so we're very fortunate. At least we have to do one show and uh, obviously we're hoping to hit the road as soon as we're allowed to. Man. Um, I know the sample size is kind of small, but, uh, in the interview with Sam, you touched on going to Australia to do a show, the Raptor, and you also flew a few shows in the wild frontier of Alaska. Has there been a favorite among those? Uh, I mean, they're all unique. You know, like when you get a chance to go upside down in F-22, uh, and then not only that, I mean, that's cool, right? We do that uh, pretty much every training mission we do. We're upside down, going supersonic and whatever, based on what we're mis- our mission uh, is and what we're trained to do. But when you can do that in front of a crowd and kind of show them that experience as well, you know, we, unfortunately we don't have a two seat airplane, so we only have a single seat airplane. You can only show them a certain uh, part of the airplane, you know, just what they can visually see from the ground. And um, to be able to share that with other people and then talk to them afterwards is really cool. Um, before coming to Virginia, I was in Alaska for four and a half years. And what's really cool about that is that we have an Australian exchange pilot that works in our squadron uh, in Alaska. And that exchange has been going on since World War II. Um, so it's a really long-standing, you know, exchange program that Australia and the United States have had for for a while now. We've had, you know, Australian pilots that are flying F-22s. So that partnership is also really cool. And to be given the opportunity to go fly in Australia was huge uh, in terms of, um, you know, we brought, I've, I've been to that show twice now. So hopefully next year, if it goes off uh, as planned, it'll be my third time going to the Avalon Air Show, which is insane. Uh, because it's just a really cool experience, you know, and the Australians are very friendly, very similar to Americans uh, in terms of just culture and, and whatnot. Um, so we took the Australian exchange pilot to Australia for that show. And that was really cool um, for both of them, actually. And there were two different exchange pilots at the time. The one I got to fly in was um, was really neat. I got to fly, I think, six demos there. And they were modified demos, right? I wasn't the current or qualified F-22 demo pilot at the time. So it was, I had to go through about a three-month process to get all the leadership, you know, on board with the demo profile that I, uh, that I made up. And, uh, and then once they approved it, I was able to fly that, but it wasn't obviously the full up, uh, demo that you would see it, you know, a normal air show from F-22s, but, uh, interacting with them was really cool. And, um, yeah, like I said, just based on the, the unique partnership between Australia and the United States, uh, it's cool to go out there and interact with them. And I mean, it's, it's one of, if not the biggest show in the Southern hemisphere. Awesome. Um, yeah, so it was, it was it was a really cool opportunity. Then and then Alaska, um, one of the things I did there, I flew the same profile I did in Australia, but uh, Alaska was neat because I got to fly in the uh, 100 year anniversary of the Third Wing. So Third Wing is the organization that's uh, that's at Elmendorf, and we were celebrating 100 years of that organization, which is pretty sweet. So I got to fly in that ceremony, and that was you know in terms of symbolism, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's really cool. That's awesome. A cool connection um speaking of connections actually uh chris have uh a connection that goes way back to the airplane that Bobo flies you want to talk about that a little bit 
Yeah, so for those of you who don't know me, uh, Chris Loaf, um, you know, I grew up in Marietta, Georgia. My dad actually worked on the Raptor program. So awesome. I've, been a, I've been around, um, or I guess the Raptor's been around my entire life. So I kind of grew up with it. And it's kind of what inspired me to be near, along with my dad, you know, watching that crazy, you know, crazy air, airplane uh, dance around the sky. Pretty awesome. Um, I'm going to drop in the text channel, actually, some. Possibly embarrassing pictures of me with, uh, you know, throughout the years my dad sent. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've, uh, it's just watching the F 22 fly is something that inspires me anytime I see it, you know, even a video. It's just like, wow, you know, someone, someone made that. Like a bunch of people came together and put something together and now people are flying it. And it's just like, you know, been a huge part of my life. So I love the mission you guys have of, inspiring uh not just not just young folk but everyone to go could do what you want and go follow your dreams so that's really cool yeah i think you, i mean i think you hit a nail on the head right there you know well first first off i think it'd be super cool you know can you imagine bringing um the wright brothers back and showing them in less than 100 years from the start of aviation you know where where we're at right now in terms of all the people like your dad and the folks that have really worked to make this airplane specifically, uh, the capability it is now. I mean, it'd be, I think it'd be super cool to be able to just talk to those folks and, and have them see where aviation's taken us at this point in time, which is, which is cool. Um, and the second piece you said, which I, you know, I, I can't stress enough to everybody that's listening right now, is it's, you know, the, the airplane's cool. Uh, the inspiration piece is cool. And the, the message that I want to make sure people understand is I don't really need everybody to go out there and fly fighters to be a fighter pilot, right? I want people to chase their dreams. And like you said, it's really a matter of just showing people that, you know, with, with the airplane uh, that, you know, seemingly defies a lot of laws of physics. Uh, obviously it's still, still bound by those. Um, but, you know, with the airplane, we can show that there are some things that people don't think are possible that we can actually still do with that airplane. Uh, and obviously the team does a great job of making, you know, giving me a phenomenal airplane every time, but, the biggest message is, you know, whatever goals you have, whatever hurdles and obstacles you have in life, uh, those things are are not, you know, insurmountable. Uh, and those things, those, you know, the stumbling blocks could be stepping stones to some amazing opportunities in the future. And uh, with enough, you know, hard work, dedication uh, and support from your family and friends, you, you can pretty much achieve whatever you want. And uh, whether that's flying fighters, whether that's being an engineer, doctor, lawyer, mechanic, you know, uh, police officer, whatever, right? It's just it, the, end, or the possibilities are endless. Uh, and we like to use the F-22 to kind of show that uh, at air shows, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, some of the other airplanes you've flown, including the F-15, uh, I've heard uh, you've got a pretty cool story regarding a former F-15 demo pilot that you met when you were a kid. And then later on in his career, he got to fly with a certain special someone. You want to talk about that a little bit? <laughs> Yeah, sure. So uh, I've always wanted to fly airplanes. Nobody in my family, um, you know, uh, I guess has flown airplanes. Uh, very few people in my family have been in the military. Most of my family came over from Cuba in the 60s. Um, so I, I really didn't have a connection to the military, like a strong connection, at least to the military aviation. And uh, for whatever reason, I knew that I just wanted to fly that, uh, fly an airplane in the military and fast jets more specifically. Um, to me, the F-15 was always like the airplane that just represented America. You know, it's a big airplane, two big, two big tails, two big engines. Uh, it's awesome. 
So my mom would take me to air shows at McDill Air Force Base in Tampa, Florida uh, every year. And then every other year when they started doing that whole thing in terms of uh, every other years for military bases. And when I was there, uh, the F-15C demo pilot, who was a captain at the time, Captain John Screech York, um, was flying a demo. And like I said, the F-15 was kind of the plane of my dreams at that time. And uh, I got to beat him, you know, briefly, got to talk to him, took a picture with him. And, you know, didn't really think anything of it. Um, 12 years later, here I am. Uh, I've gone to the Air Force Academy, uh, graduated pilot training. I was very fortunate. Got to fly F-15Cs. I was in Oregon going through the uh, the basic course for the F-15C. So that's where we go and get our initial qualification. It's probably about six to seven months long uh, in, terms, in terms of duration. Or in terms of duration. And I see this guy and I'm like, he looks really familiar. Like, where do I know this guy from? You know, it was just one of those, like, you see a face and you're like, I don't know where I know this guy from, but uh, he had his helmet bag. So we carry, you know, our helmets and our, you know, like the bag out to the jet to make sure they're protected and safe. And on that helmet bag, he had an F-15C West Coast demo team patch on it. And I was like, what are the chances, right? So uh-huh. I get on the phone, I call my mom and I was like, hey, do you have that picture that we have when I was a little kid and McDill, uh, the demo pilot, and she rummages through the things, finds the picture, sends me a picture. Uh, and I look at it and I look at the name tag, you know, and what his name was. And it was, you know, one, I saw his face in the picture and then I knew, you know, Screech and the squadron as one of my instructor pilots going through the course. Obviously it was like, it was unmistakable at that point in time, but I knew who this person was and I saw his name tag and I was like, there is no way that this has come full circle like this. Right. Um, <laughs> and I walk up to him, this scared, you know, young Lieutenant. Uh, to this lieutenant colonel at the time, like, hey, sir, like, yeah, you probably don't remember me, whatever. So we ended up uh, realizing that, holy cow, I met him 12 years ago at a show. And what's really cool is the fact that the background behind that is even more extensive. So he's from Tampa as well. Um, he went to a rival high school. We both went to the Air Force Academy, obviously uh, separated in time and flew F-15Cs for most of his career. And then uh, I got to actually fly with him in Oregon uh, when I was going through that course, which is, you know, just like a cool experience, right? And and here I am, once again, I think like this is an incredible experience and it's gone full circle, let alone like, uh, or I guess not to, uh, not to realize that it hadn't quite gone full circle yet, you know? And, and as I uh, continue flying, I kept in touch with them and Screech actually switched over to F-22 uh, for the last couple of years of his career. He was flying uh, in Hawaii with the Area National Guard there. And, um, so it's cool that he flew F-22s, you know, and I still talk with him, um, you know, a couple times a month and see how he's doing. Uh, we were hoping this year with the schedule to go to McDill. And uh, I mean, that to me would have been the ultimate full circle, right? I mean, I go there as a kid, yeah. meet the demo pilot, right. meet him later in life, fly with him. And then I go back to McDill and I'm the demo pilot now, flying F-22s. And, you know, it, it, and it just goes to show you that we do a lot of shows. We, we schedule 20, 20 shows a year at least. Um, any little kid that you talk to, it could be that one kid, right? And and you don't have to you don't have to change millions of people's lives. It just takes a couple people, you know, because if you can pay it forward and and give them um, the gifts that you've received and kind of pay that forward, that's gonna you know pay off tenfold, if not hundredfold, you know, later on in the future. So I was really looking forward to McDill a lot. That's probably the show I was looking forward to the most this year. And um, and Screech was actually going to fly with his dad to go to the show. And like, it was gonna be a really cool opportunity for us to kind of tell that story. Uh, unfortunately, we won't be able to do that. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, the, you know, since military shows are doing it every other year, McDill won't have their show until 2022. Uh, and I won't be the demo pilot anymore at that point in time. So, you know, that kind of opportunity has passed, unfortunately. 
but uh, I'm still very thankful for uh, the opportunity I had to meet Screech then and kind of how things have played out since then. Still a really cool story. And I'm glad you shared that because that's, that's awesome. It's yeah, just so it's cool. just cool. Yeah, it's just it's, awesome it's, how the connection, yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing when you talk to a lot, at least you know uh, people that I fly with and know at work. A lot of people have very similar stories. You know, I'm very fortunate in, the, in that uh, you know it was a captured on picture, you know, captured in a picture, and I got to fly with the guy later on. It kind of went a little more full circle by actually meet you know meet that my childhood like hero kind of thing. Uh, but a lot of people have very similar stories where you know they meet somebody at an air show or they see a Thunderbirds flying or see an F-15 flying or an F-16 or A-10 or now F-35 or whatever. You know, and they they get inspired as little kids to either join the military and serve, or support the DoD in some kind of industry uh, job, whether it's engineer or scientist or whatever. You know, um, so a lot of similar stories out there, and uh, it just goes to show you that uh, air shows are really important and and the impact they can have. Unfortunately, we can't quantify it. You know, like we can't put that on a spreadsheet and say, "Hey, this little kid was inspired on this day," and then he, you know, like it's not it doesn't work that way uh you can't quantify that stuff but you know that it's happening and uh you know i think i think if we were able to quantify it we would see a huge huge payback in terms of just uh helping out local communities as well as our uh, as well as the you know department of defense sure yeah there's so many um so many of these experiences that you're drawing on uh, you know to be the F-22 demo team pilot and deliver the best possible sh- possible show and, you know, represent the Air Force in the best possible light. Um, in that regard, uh, you've flown a lot around um, Penn and been on alert in Alaska in 15 Cs. Um, were you ever sent up on an intercept or another, like, rapid alert mission uh, <laughs> where you can tell us about it? Yeah, I mean, I uh, flew alert uh, in Alaska in, uh, in the F-15C and the F-22. So there's a period of time where the F-22s were having some issues, uh, which have you know been resolved for years and years now. But um, we ended up going there from from Okinawa, Japan, and taking F-15Cs up there just to alert uh, to fulfill that commitment. And I sat alert there for about four months, and then uh, the entire four and a half years I was in Alaska, I was sitting alert, you know, based on our, our rotating schedule of pilots. Um, and I've been launched in both aircraft um, on different different um, types of missions. Um, and you, I mean, you've probably seen a lot of things in the news in terms of, you know, us fighters intercepting Russian bombers and whatever else. Mm-hmm. I think probably the, the coolest thing is, I mean, the longest, no kidding alert I had, uh, we got woken up, at, I think it was like one 30 in the morning and we thought it was a, like, no kidding. We thought initially we got the phone call. It was like a, uh, it was one of our buddies pranking us, you know, so we get a good phone. <laughs> and, uh, so we pick up the phone and find out we're like, Holy cow! This is this is for real, you know. So, get our stuff on. It was January third, I think, of two thousand twelve, um, and um, two thousand twelve or two thousand thirteen, whatever. It was January third. It was really cold in Alaska, and uh, snow is blowing sides, you know. But part of our job is to be ready at a moment's notice. So we uh, get the phone call, get dressed up, and take off in the you know pitch black darkness of night in two F fifteens, and uh, we ended up getting refueled. I think six times uh, at night from a tanker that was launching at Allison Air Force Base. And that was probably, I think that was the longest time, like the longest sortie I've ever flown in a fighter jet. That was 11.8 hours in the seat flying. Um, and probably about 13 hours of being in the jet, you know, and obviously there's not, the F-15 is a pretty big cockpit. You know, if you compare the F-15C to uh, like an F-16, it's, I mean, it's like a 4,000 square foot house compared to like a, one <laughs> four, you know, like a, 
a one bedroom like loft apartment you know um <laughs> so lots of room for uh stretching and what have you but it's still a cockpit and you still can't get up and you still can't really move around so i mean after 11 and a half hours of flying that thing and then six air fuelings at night and move around all around the state of alaska um it definitely takes toll on you you know so that was probably the that was a pretty cool uh pretty cool mission and uh, yeah, I've intercepted other airplanes as well, uh, you know, fulfilling that obligation up in Alaska. Ever find at the end of those missions that are like six, seven, eight hours or whatever, does your butt fall asleep or like one of your legs? <laughs> uh, no, I think that's probably bad news for you. I feel like if you started like losing feeling in certain like, you know, legs and arms, probably bad. You have, you have some, <laughs> other, some other medical issues you should probably take care of. But, uh, yeah, I've never, I've never had any issues where like I've, uh, you know, like like part of my body is falling asleep in the airplane. Um, they are exhausting, you know, especially when we're flying in the Middle East. Some of those missions were pretty lengthy as well. And a lot of, a lot of what we do is at nighttime, you know, and um, flying at nighttime for hours and hours on end, we were getting gas from tankers at night. And, you know, especially uh, what we're doing in the Middle East, you know, we were on call for a lot of things, you know, and it can be very, very benign for hours on end. And then you get a phone or, you know, a phone call, but you get like, you know, what it, what it basically comes down to is like a phone call, just via the radio. Uh, and they tell you, Hey man, you got this tasking, you got to do this thing or whatever. And you go from zero to a hundred, you know, and in, in the span of, you know, 30 seconds. So, Immediately. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where it's more like a, it's more like a marathon or like an Ironman, you know, you have to, you're working, like you're cruising, but then uh, you have to be able to turn on, turn off. And like, and you're going, you know, six hour, seven hour sortie where you're kind of flying the airplane, doing all those things. And then at a moment's notice, you have to keep, you have to be ready those entire six, seven hours, you know, and, and ready to go whenever they need you. Um, so you're kind of turning it on, turn it off and, and being prepared at a moment's notice. Uh, going back to the, those combat scenarios, were you ever given any situations where they're like troops in contact that uh, you successfully got everyone out of the area? Um I know just reading everything that I've read and talking to pilots and everything, um, getting troops in contact out of contact and getting everyone home safe is like one of the best feelings. Can you talk about yeah, that a little bit? For sure. I, I think that, you know, um, I, I agree with you, you know, like our, our airplane F-22 specifically is designed for air to air combat. And, uh, you know, we haven't really done a whole lot of air to air combat in a long time. So, part of the F-22 in terms of modernization, they gave us some uh, air to ground capability as well. We're not like, we're not nearly as proficient uh, in terms of um, uh, the airplane itself. It's not as, I guess, capable as other airplanes in terms of air to ground roll, but we do still, you know, drop and we still do uh, a very limited level of cast or close air support. So yeah, there were times where we did drop and it was uh, in a cast scenario with people on the ground near, you know, uh, near where we were dropping. And, um, I, I mean, the way I guess we look at CAS or close air support is, you know, you're going to drop weapons in close proximity to friendly forces on the ground, which is always, you know, a tense scenario because you're, you're like, you're slinging these, you know, weapons, whether 250 pound bombs, 1,000 pound bombs, wherever, and other airplanes don't carry 2,000 pounders, and you're dropping these things uh, close to uh, friendly forces on the ground. And there's a very detailed coordination that happens between the guys on the ground, the people in the air uh, that are um, that are doing this. but. I mean, the payoff is huge, you know, when you can talk to somebody on the radio after the fact or talk to them after the mission the next day and you're like, holy cow, the drop, the bombs dropped were, you know, uh, we're able to get them out of there and, uh, you know, hear their voice the next day on the radio or on the phone uh, is pretty cool because you're like, they got home to their, you know, their brothers and sisters uh, at their base or wherever they were going 
and hopefully they're able to make it back to their families um, after their deployment, you know? So that's probably been the most rewarding uh, thing I've done in the Air Force, like hands down. Um, I probably echo the same things that other people have said to you. And like I said, our, my exposure is much more limited compared to like an F-16, F-15E, or, you know, an A-10, uh, where those guys are and gals are doing that constantly. And they're very, um, they're very proficient at that because it's their bread and butter, like one of their bread and butter missions. Um, sure. But the, the limited exposure I had doing, doing close to sport in the Middle East was very, very rewarding. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really, cool. that's really cool. Good. We've got some uh, listener questions here. Um, yeah. This one is uh, from Milo with a rocket ship. The question is, is it like to have a single piece transparency around you with no frames or other obstructions? And how does it compare to the look you get from the 15? Yeah, the uh, it's obviously, you know, a very different cockpit in terms of the, one, the interior design and where the displays are at. But Having that canopy bow uh, between the like the front section of glass versus the canopy that comes down behind you, um, there were some cool advantages to it. So we'd have like in the F-15C and the F-15E, they have mirrors. I think the Hornet, the F-18 is the same way. We have mirrors. Like when you're air to air fueling, you can actually like move the mirrors a little bit. You can see the boom that goes in the airplane. Uh, so you can actually like fly off the mirrors, which is pretty nice because sometimes the lights underneath the belly of the tanker that actually tell you where to go in terms of like down, up, forward, aft, all those things. Sometimes they're pretty dim. So when you have mirrors you can use to like watch that, it's pretty nice. Um, Interesting. But yeah, it definitely, it definitely does obscure, you know, some vision in terms of when you're looking outside. Uh, the F-22 is obviously a single piece canopy and it comes down and it's really nice to have an unobstructed view. Um, it's pretty cool because you almost like, there are times you're flying the airplane and you, you're looking forward and you don't even see the airplane behind you, right? You're just like on the end of this rocket ship. And um it's pretty neat because you just have this amazing view um, without anything, you know, hindering your vision. You know, there are some times where you'd be flying up in Alaska and see these epic mountain ranges with snow and you feel like you're like on the moon or something like that because everything is white and gray and you're just ripping around the level or up at 40, you know, 40,000 feet plus. Um, and at nighttime, you know, like you put night vision goggles on, you're able to see these, you know, stars and galaxies and shooting stars and, uh, it's really cool, you know, to have the unobstructed view uh, of the world around you. That's really awesome. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I was going to say, kind of as a follow-up to that, someone uh, would like to know, um, what's the headspace uh, cockpit um, comparison between the Raptor and the Eagle? Um, is, it, is it a little more cramped in general, or is it a little more open? How would you describe the differences? Uh, yeah. The, comfortability. Yeah, the- so the um, the F-15 is definitely a bigger cockpit, um, and the canopy is a bubble canopy. So instead of it like tapering to the shape and the silhouette of the airplane, it kind of bows out a little bit. So you have a little more room to maneuver. I mean, there are times where you're fighting, you know, BFM or basic fighter maneuvers, i.e., like dogfighting. And uh, with the F-15 specifically, you know, like you have you have a center stick. So in the Raptor, we have a side stick controller, just like the F-16 or F-35. Uh, but the F-15, you can fly with both hands. You know, like if you're turning left, you can fly with your right hand. If you're turning right, you can fly with your left hand. And the cockpit's big enough that you can actually push off the glass, you know. So if you were trying to rotate and see right behind the tails of the F-15, you can actually, it's big enough that you can rotate your body in the seat, push off the glass, fly with the opposite hand, uh, and do all those things. The uh, the F-22 is not that way. Um, it's a little bit smaller of a cockpit. Still, you know, decently spacious, and we have plenty of pretty tall folks that are flying F-22s and, and still make it work. Obviously, the seat goes up and down, so you can you can, you can compensate for that a little bit. 
Um, but the actual glass itself is not a bubble canopy. It doesn't bow out like an F-15, F-16 does. Uh, tapers uh, along, you know, along the shape of the airplane to keep it, uh, keep the lines and, and the angles, and everything, um, I guess, clean for the uh, low observability piece of it. Cool. We got another question. What's the most challenging fighter to face in air combat training? <clears throat> uh, so, I think that's a, it's kind of a, a loaded question because I think there are a lot of capable fighters out there. I've, I've flown against, you know, French Rafales, British Eurofighters, uh, or I guess they're not, um, they're Eurofighters that are, you know, flown across Europe, um, but they were RAF uh, Eurofighters that, uh, that I fought against, flown against Navy fighters, Air Force fighters, uh, Japanese, Thai, you know, plenty of, plenty of other airplanes, Malaysians, et cetera. And I would say that, honestly, um, unless you're flying like a Raptor where a lot of things are... Um, a lot of things are compensated for by the airplane itself and the capabilities of the airplane. I mean, the, the Raptor is just unmatched um, in terms of in terms of that. Uh, I feel very confident going against an airplane and a Raptor uh, without without even like any reservation saying that. I feel pretty confident in it. But I would say, in terms of other airplanes out there, there are a lot of really capable airplanes. But I think this, I think still the most important thing isn't the airplane; it's the person that's flying the airplane. Um, there is a huge disparity. You know, I flew the F fifteen C. I fought against plenty of the airplanes out there. And, uh, I mean, the disparity from like the absolute best pilot in the squadron to the absolute worst pilot in the squadron was huge because, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of time experience effort that goes into training and people that have been flying the airplane for 20 years, obviously are going to be, you know, substantially better than people that have been flying the airplane for two years, you know? And, and I, th I just found that's probably universal in terms of applicability to other airplanes. Um, even if an airplane is really good on paper and the, the numbers make sense and you're like, wow, this airplane should win compared to this airplane. Um, that that can all be trumped in a moment's notice based on pilot proficiency. Cool. Well, uh, get to maybe two more questions here, and then uh, and wrap it up. Uh, first one is: uh, Is the Raptor able to carry uh, weapons externally? Uh, so oh. there are stations. Yeah. So uh, if I heard the question correctly, is the Raptor able to carry weapons externally? Uh, we do have um, external stores that we carry. So we carry two uh, 4,000 pound uh, gas tanks on, you know, one on each wing. Mm -hmm. And there is, there is an opportunity for us to carry weapons externally. We obviously don't because it defeats the purpose of stealth. Of course. Um, so, I mean, it could, it could totally do it. There are stations out there uh, if we needed to, but uh, obviously that, that would stop us from being uh, the fifth gen lethal platform that we are right now. Absolutely. Um... And uh, what are you looking forward to, to uh, next in your career? Uh, I honestly don't know right now. Right, right now, I'm just trying to focus on the, the demo team. So obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty <laughs> on on that, you know. And um, in terms of the future stuff, I, I obviously love to keep flying airplanes, you know. And uh, the F-22 is uh, is an amazing airplane, and for for a lot of reasons, you know, the fact that the airplane, the F-22, or the F-22 is the airplane that I you know, went to combat and dropped bombs in and like actually helped out the war effort, you know, um, that airplane or this airplane to me is, is definitely the, the airplane I like the most. Um, so I'd like to keep flying fighters if I can. Um, but you know, this demo thing is, is a really unique opportunity to give back to people. Um, and I, I think every single day we go through life, if you can try to put some more good in the world than there is negative in the world, you know, and, um, 
as I go on past the demo job, you know, who knows how long the demo opportunities will last. It's typically two years for everybody on the team. Uh, right now we're kind of in flux in terms of what's going to happen with this season, et cetera. But uh, after this, hopefully I can, you know, keep flying fast jets uh, in some capacity and uh, hopefully find a way to uh, keep giving back. You know, I, I don't want to um, take away from whoever replaces me and, you know, in the next year and a half, or whatever, for the demo job. Like I want them to, have full reign to enjoy the opportunity and, and be the spokesperson they need to be for the air force. But I want to find some other way to give back to people, you know, and, and share their stories in terms of, uh, you know, people, there are a lot of people in the country that have some amazing unique stories uh, that are out there. And I think it's, I think it's incumbent upon people who have the ability to find those stories, to share them with the rest of the world, you know, that helps us put good in the world and helps us do exactly what we're doing with the demo job, right? We're trying, inspire people and show them that things are not impossible. They can achieve whatever they want to in life. So how do we find those stories and, and keep going? You know, that's very parallel to what the demo team's mission is. Uh, so I'd like to find a way to keep doing that. That's awesome, man. That's a, that's a great way to end it. I think that's uh, I think that most of the guys here <clears throat> helping run these interviews would agree that uh, sharing love and passion for aviation and, and spreading that around is um, paramount. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank thank you very much for joining us, man. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been really cool. And, and like once again, I I really appreciate you guys putting this together. Uh, thank you so much for thinking of the F twenty two demo team and having uh, join. Um, once again, I, you know, I can't say enough about the people that are on the team that that make this thing happen. You know, I'm the one talking on the radio or on the uh, on the app here with you guys and answering questions, but uh, to be honest, you know, we have a team of 14 people total to include myself that are doing amazing work. So I just want to say thank you on behalf of them uh, because we, we sincerely appreciate the opportunity to talk to the listeners that are, that are on right now and kind of share some of what we do uh, for the Air Force and for the country. Absolutely, man. You have the entire Air Force behind you as well. And you know, from us to all of you guys, thank you. We appreciate you. So we, we very awesome. much appreciate everything you guys do. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Have a great, uh, have a great weekend, and to everybody listening, thank you so much, and uh, please stay safe out there. Absolutely. And for all you listeners, be sure to check out the F twenty two demo team on all your social media channels, and uh, we're sure to find some more of uh, Second Lieutenant Sam's some incredible media work. If you got a second, please fill out the survey pinned to the chat thread so we can improve upon what we started today. And uh, thanks again for listening. Thank you for tuning in to this aviation conversation. We hope that our discussion of aviation brought a smile to your face. This was our first time hosting this event, and we look forward to doing it again in the future. We welcome any feedback to improve these future events. You can find Full Disc Aviation online at www.fulldiscaviation.com and Mudspike Aviation at www.mudspikeaviation.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.